You are joining Making a Difference with Melissa Clark, a new show that shares the compelling stories and voices of well-known and everyday people who change the world in big and small ways. Enjoy our guests. Call in or just listen to Be Inspired. For this show was made with you in mind. Please join us every Saturday at 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time with our special guests. And you can listen to our recast at www.melissaclarkshow.com. Thank you for joining us on Making a Difference. I'm Melissa Billy Clark. You know, someone once told me that the grieving process is a very personal experience, and I would only learn that after both of my parents passed away. You can read my story on lovewhatmatters.com. When I was grieving, I felt a shift change, and my mind went into survival, survival without my loved ones. I sought out Reiki specialists and natural healers to help me with my process. Today's episode, we will be speaking to Tom Tam, who is a retired acupuncturist and specializes in Tong Ren healing, which is a tapping therapy. I invited artist Sarah Diarazio to join us as she just lost her beloved boyfriend, Tomas Hill. We will discuss Tomas, his spirituality, and how he chose to live the last months of his life with acceptance. We also have another poet on Tulu, all the way from the UK, to read his poem about grief and I will read one that I wrote as well. We hope this episode helps those who are struggling. Okay, we are joined by Mr. Tom Tam. Thank you so much for joining us today. I know that you are extremely busy. Uh, uh, Tom is a uh, practiced acupuncture for over 30 years. And uh, he has a whole team of people there. It's his family. And he actually focuses on Tan, Tang Ren healing. Is that correct? Did I pronounce it right? Yes. Okay. Ta- tell us what that is about, please. Tongren in the Chinese mean is a bronze man. Mm-hmm. So in the acupuncture model, the acupuncture model in China called the Tongren. Mm-hmm. So this is 800 years ago, then they developed the model. So I just use this model as my healing, they call it the tone rain, or mm-hmm. you can call it the bronze man healing. So on the healing is really strange. So we are not put the needle on the door, but we use the hammer to bend the door for the healing on the long distance. So the long distance, we are covered the whole world in anywhere. So mm-hmm. like yesterday, I in Boston, I treat the people in China, in Taiwan. This morning, we treat the people in Germany also, in California. Mm-hmm. So that is called the Tonglen. Then Tonglen, on the hill lane now, we have uh, about is, uh, 30 years history already. Right. So you can heal people with the tapping. Do you do a group of people or do you do individual um, sessions? Uh, we can have, uh, we do both. We can do it for the individual, we can do it on the group. 
So in the group, we call the guinea pig class. We call the tongue ring guinea pig class. So in the September, is uh, 20 years we do the group healing in Haifu. Mm-hmm. Uh, February is uh, 20 years in Kunsi also. So you can see how many thousand, thousand people join our class already in the group. So we are not only on the group in uh, basically in the two locations, Kunsi and Haifu. But mm-hmm. now we do on the internet also. So almost every day we have the program for the internet healing. Mm -hmm. And you started doing that. Did you start doing that when the pandemic hit us? When this whole COVID Uh, virus? uh, When the virus hit us. Yeah. What did you do? What did you do for it? The virus. Then we always do it. On the long distance, okay. we are the long distance is more than ten years already. Oh, so all right. you can see now we use the Zoom and all the internet. Not only me, the student do it also. Wow, and what did did anybody reach out to you uh, for the COVID? Like they had anxiety. Um, what did you do to help them? Uh, we do the COVID also the virus. Of course, we do it for the emotion. We have a program for the emotion only. So we have uh, some people do it for the virus. And we have a group of people, medical doctors. Mm-hmm. They did in Italy. The whole group, the medical doctor, used the tongue lane, the healing, the virus. And I did also. So it's a very good result immediately that people feel so much release. And people come from around the world to come and physically see you, is that correct? Uh, a lot of the people from the whole world, the people come. Mm-hmm. So like yesterday, we still have the people from New York and California, Texas, or some people from Europe. Then, but we have the internet healing made it more and more easier. In mm-hmm. fact, we have so many students in the whole world already. They can help the people by the phone or by the internet or by the Zoom. Yes. So they're not necessarily come over here. So you, you were in acupuncturist for over 30 years. What does acupuncture do for the body? Uh, legally, legally, mm-hmm. I practiced 38 years in Massachusetts for acupuncture. Yeah, so acupuncture is the ancient Chinese healing. They call the TCM, traditional medical Chinese medical uh, medicine. Mm-hmm. So we practiced. I practiced 38 years. You can see how many thousand. So I figured out on the physically about 24,000 people in my record in uh, 38 years. So our human range is really, really wide, but the TCM, the Chinese medicine, it is not the science. It is only a philosophy and experience. So they need to change. That's Mm. why I changed using my own system. Then I developed my own system because the Healing system. 
or tamtam healing system. Uh, in the whole world, so many diseases that people cannot heal. Mm -hmm. So no matter in America, in China, in Japan, so many diseases, nobody can heal. So as I say, why the people cannot heal? For example, the um, Japanese the president, then he had the um, Crohn disease. So in yeah. the whole Japan, nobody know how to heal the Crohn disease. Right. So how about in America, they don't know how to heal the Crohn disease either. So in China, what happened, the Crohn disease? So as I found out, when you do the healing, you must on the science. Only the science can heal any disease. So as I say, why they are not in the science? So what the West and the East miss? So I found out the miss is a nerve system. So you just say, okay, in the West have the have the neurologist. Mm -hmm. The neurologist know the nerve. So very, very good question. You are cardiologist. Never right. talking the heart nerve. You never hear the cardiologist. Your heart nerve have a trouble. Or the guy have the colon problem. You never say, oh, your colon have the nerve problem. So as I say, each organ must have the nerve. But in China, they say each organ, they must have the meridian, like the heart meridian, liver meridian. But mm -hmm. the meridian not equal to the nerve. Mm -hmm. So this my job is to find out where is the heart nerve? Where is the intestine nerve? Where is the kidney nerve? So if you can find the nerve, then you can heal so many diseases or each organ. So mm -hmm. that is my system different than any system in the whole world. So of course, a lot of the neurologists say, oh, I'm an expert. Okay, doctor, where is my heart nerve? You can ask something. I want all my patients mm -hmm. to ask their cardiologist. Hey, you are so famous. Where is my heart nerve? So thank you so much for that. So tell us for people who are skeptical about this kind of healing, what can you tell them uh, to help uh, them? Today I have a patient is a skeptic. So well, number one, we must know what is mean by skeptic. In America, we are in America, in fact, in the whole world, everybody is so proud to be the skeptic. Because if I'm a skeptic, this means I am smarter than you. You are dummy, you are voodoo, you are whatever. Sure. So the skeptic is an honor for the people who want to be a skeptic. But we don't care, you are skeptic or not skeptic. Number mm -hmm. one is we need the knowledge. We need the science. So not so-called skeptic because the so-called skeptic because they do not have the knowledge because they do not, they are not the scientists. So like in Italy, the Italian Medical Association invites me to speak, or the medical doctor, mm -hmm. or the Italian Medical Association, the member there, I ask them one very stupid question. Mm -hmm. You are guys saying, oh, I'm a skeptic. I say, do you know the nerve? 
I said to any people, no way is a hard love. Nobody right. can answer me the, the question. So how can you say you are skeptic? So right. a lot of things I asked a hundred doctors there. So my question to you is, uh, somebody goes to, medicine is not helping somebody. So, you know, the doctor, you know, he recommends you. What, what would you tell somebody who doesn't want to go to a, a holistic healer? Then I tell them, when you're not ready, don't go. <laughs> <laughs> but a lot of the people, they come here, they're on the terminal. So, mm -hmm. so many of our people is on the terminal. Like today, I have one terminal come here. Doctor really? Say, Your time's up. They come. But still not on his wheeling. Finally, we found him have the lymphoma. But the lymphoma now changed to the AML. That is a leukemia. So I say, you want to suffering? He know us for a while already, for a few years, but skeptic. I don't believe, finally, the doctor say, go home and die. Then he come, I say, okay, I know you are skeptic. So you don't believe. I say, you don't need to believe. Why you not talking to the people in my class and listen to what is the patient say? Because in my class, each one by each one, one by one, one by one, they tell what they have, how they feel now. So, you need to educate them, but I don't want to convince them come to me. I don't want to educate them come to me. Mm -hmm. Talk to the people who is in the class. So I said, they can heal. Why you cannot heal? Question to yourself and question what your doctor can do. So you want to gamble or you don't want to gamble. So in fact, so many people on the terminal, they have the fear also. They don't want to die, so they come to us. So far, I still treat about 200 terminal cancer patients a week, weekly. So wow. they got the people, is no choice. If they can heal, then they will tell another people. They go to convince another people come. So we never worry that people not come. But you can see how many people keep coming, coming. So our healing range, then we have, so far I have two classes a week only for the cancer patients. Mm -hmm. So, wow. and they kind of people already, the doctor give up. We do good job. So if somebody were to come to you and they have stage four lung cancer and they have six months to live, they don't want to do chemo, mm -hmm. would, would you cure them? Uh, no, I usually, the people, six months or six years, the people won't come to us first. Then mostly the people already try their doctor sure. until their doctor say give up, then they come to us. So if the doctor not give up, who come to the alternative medicine, who come to the tongue healing, because they think they know the sense. So you can see in our healing class for the cancer, how many people, lung cancer, they heal or completely heal. Two right. months ago, I just had one lung cancer patient die, but I met her last 20 years. Now, she died on 92 years old, no chemo, no radiation, no surgery. Wow. 
Wow. So we have a lot of the lung cancer patients say, yeah, I'm healed. So take this the proof. I don't need to tell another one, but they will tell everyone. So, and some is a real, really high percentage also. So mm -hmm. a lot of time the people on the same day, same hour, they say, wow, I feel so much better. So yesterday I have another girl in the class in Quincy, lung cancer. Three months, no more oxygen, one class. Mm. Then she tell everybody, but nobody believe. So she just do the exam yesterday, the report will come on Saturday. Then we need to prove by the medical report how much better they are or they may completely heal. So wow. that is what we are doing now. So you're, you're giving them a good quality of life while they're here, is, what, is, that, is that correct? Not only the good quality, today we have one woman on the lung cancer. One month, she's on the wheelchair, then the doctor report come, everything's stable. So a lot of the people have the cancer, going back to work, to the normal life. So not just say the good quality of the life, no, going back to work. How many people have cancer going back to work already? So our class is open. You can right. see how many people in here suffering from the cancer and the doctor give up, but we still do good job. Thank you so much for everything that you do for people. Um, I, I've seen your credentials, it's pretty amazing. Uh, so we're gonna, I'm gonna post everything where people can find you and um, thank you so much. You're accepting new people, is that right? No, our doors are open. Any people walking in, walking out is free. So, and usually I run a few classes. One is the Spalden Behave, one is the Burlington, one in Quincy, one in Hayfield. Four classes a week. And plus, we have the internet, we have so many locations. Yeah. So thank you so much for joining us, Tom. And uh, Sarah, did you have any questions for Tom? One question is, uh, how long are the, the classes or sessions typically? Uh, one hour. But one hour, usually we treat 100 people. But now is the, the time not allow too many people come. Right. So usually we include the people on the internet. So the group healing, but each one is on the individual. One by one, one by one. So usually we have about 60 to 100 people per class. Right. Yeah. And That's do you and doing it in conjunction with other energy work? Question. I cannot hear you. Do you recommend doing it in conjunction with other energy work as well? Uh, the people do something else, uh, not in our control. We just do our work. They can do whatever they like. They can do the chemo, radiation surgery, uh, play their card, Reiki, whatever. They do their job, we do our own job. Sure. Yep. So we are not just saying you must believe me. No, don't need to believe us that join our class sitting there or what we in the class or listen to what another people say. So the patient do whatever they like, it is their choice. 
we are not limited on this. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Tom. Yeah. We will see you soon. We are here with Sarah. We sat in with uh, Tom Tam. Thank you so much for doing that. I wanted you to be a part of this uh, for your healing process. I, I, there's a, some sort of kindred spirit here, and I'm going to explain to the audience. So I found Sarah. Her name is Sarah Diarazio. She's a marketing professional and a fine artist. I found her on Facebook. Uh, she had just lost her uh, boyfriend, Tomas Hill. Um, he passed away. Uh, what, how long has it been now, Sarah? Um, he passed August 1st. August 1st. Okay. So Tomas and I are friends on Facebook. I never met him a day in our lives, but we have friends in common. Uh, and then I saw Sarah, she had, when you tag somebody, I suppose, you know, you could see who the person is. And I saw that, you know, people were saying, I'm so sorry, Sarah, for your loss. And, and we are terribly sorry for your loss. Tomas was very spiritual. Uh, he passed away from pancreatic cancer. And I think his diagnosis, when was he diagnosed this year? May 4th. May 4th. So uh, he, he, wow. So he, three months. I got the chills right now. And uh, Sarah and I have been talking for a little bit uh, for, since, since he passed away. So on his bio, he says, I am a traveler through time, a spiritual being having a human experience. I learn, I grow, I manifest. So I'm sorry. No, it's part of the process. <laughs> okay. I, and, and God bless. I got chills right now. So Sarah, Thank you, first of all, so much for sitting with us. You're an amazing woman. I could see it. Um, and, uh, you know, Sarah's been through her own struggles with her mother. I went through mine. We're going to have that conversation. What stage was he at when he first found out about his uh, cancer? It was stage four. Um, so you say that pancreatic is the silent killer. Yeah. Um, we were in... Manhattan in my New York City apartment. And he had just come back from Miami in February. And um, so we were enjoying time together in the city. I have I had an art show the first weekend of March and then COVID hit. Yeah. And we were told we had to be locked down. We weren't allowed to leave the apartment. Um, so that happened. And mm -hmm. then um, we were enjoying our time together and just making the best of it. And I do remember one night I cooked and he, he used to eat so much and just not even think about it and eat whatever was left over from other people. Um, right. One night I cooked and he said, babe, this is way too much. And I thought, okay, so, all right. So I won't cook as much. So that was probably uh, closer to April. And then he was having excruciating stomach issues, like bloating when he would lay down. Mind you, he was extremely healthy and just this like really bad stomach pain sort of like under his rib cage. Mm -hmm. And I thought maybe gallstones. Sure. Um, let's try to change up the diet, although we ate very healthy and clean anyway. So the whole month of April was just sleepless nights, not understanding what was going on, trying to sort of holistically treat it with different remedies. Um, different vitamins. And I said, look, you need to go to the hospital. Jokingly, I said, I need to get sleep. I, ha I have a studio apartment. So right. we didn't know what was going on. So eventually I said, let's go to the hospital. Mm -hmm. So he made an appointment for the first week of May. Um, we ended up going out to Long Island because Manhattan was full of COVID. So we didn't want to go there. Um, 
he didn't think he had COVID at all. No. No. Okay. No, and, no. In fact, we would we would go get groceries, and we you know we were we're both very healthy people, so we were very like, oh, we're not going to get COVID. And I remember looking at the hospitals, thinking, oh man, it must be so terrible having cancer right now, specifically because you want your family to be there. Yes. You go in and out often for treatments. I said, this must be terrible. Meanwhile, we go out to Long Island to the VA. He was um, a veteran, so um, and he was he was a Marine, so we went there. Yeah. May fourth, I the whole day he was in there. I wasn't allowed to go in with him, and so I just kind of drove around and waited. And he came out, sat down next to me, and he said, "I have been diagnosed with stage four pancreatic cancer." So. Um, I kind of went numb, but I didn't freak out and he wasn't really freaking out. I, it was, it was just a very, when you're delivered that message, it's a death sentence. Right. right. Um, and everything, I'm, everything's kind of a blur that day, but I remember we got back to the apartment and I started bawling. And I said, I'm not crying because you have cancer. I'm crying because I don't want you to be in pain. Right. Right. And from that point forward, we just had to figure out a plan for him. And um, it was a very spiritual, beautiful journey. I mean, between the way he looked at life and the way I handle things. Also, I lost my mother. Right. Um, to stage four cancer 10 years ago in four months. Wow. So I kind of knew what was coming. Right. It's just so weird right now how your, um, your video is acting. <laughs> I see that. Yeah, you could see that, right? Um, okay. So, yeah, well, you know, I think Sarah and I never met, but I really believe that we have the same beliefs with energies and... Uh, and even today, I was telling her, I was seeing these little sparklies in the corner of my eye, and I felt nervous seeing her as if, I got the chills right now, as if she, as if she was like somebody that I loved before. <laughs> so weird. I can't explain this, but I really totally believe in, in that this body is, is our shell, and, and we, our energy moves on, and I really believe that Tomas is around her, and... Um, I'm sure that if there are any mediums or anybody uh, who can see that energy, any, how do you say, like an energist, if they can see that around her, I'm sure they'd be able to see something around you. Uh, I can feel it for sure. What was his first initial reaction when he found out uh, that he had the cancer? I mean, he got into the car, he had his paperwork, and he just said, I've been diagnosed with stage four pancreatic cancer. And I think I may have asked, how does this make you feel? Mm -hmm. And typically in life, even before this, he was, he was pretty even. I, I, I will say I've never seen him fly off the handle or get upset in some of the most compromising situations. Um, he had a way of expressing if something didn't make him happy, but he never went above just, you know, a small inclination of, of being upset. And then he would move on. Mm -hmm. So 
I think looking back, I have like a few little pictures and videos that I documented things and he was nervous. He was nervous. But he didn't express that verbally, but have knowing have known him for three years and seeing how strong and centered he was throughout life, I could tell he was nervous. Sure. And so I gave him a journal and I gave him a really nice quote on the front of it. And it basically um, outlines, we are what we consume in life. And, and it's a very positive quote. And I put that, I taped that on the front. I gave him the notebook and a pen. And I said, I said babe, this is a really um, special journey that you're going on. And I want you to have this to express yourself. And, and write anything that makes you feel happy, sad, whatever emotion. Yeah. And his eyes lit up, and he was so great. He, the gratitude just in that moment. Right. Because he, he wasn't thinking this way, but having had a previous experience and also just being a spiritual being myself, he needed that. He, he wasn't outward with his emotions. So he started writing right away. And in fact, he did a few documented videos of his. Yes, yes, I, I saw one of them, and it was just, uh, I can't, you can't really describe it, you know, and I didn't even know him, but I felt, I felt that energy from him, yeah. and he, you know, uh, so what did you, so now here we are, you know, what did you take away from this, from his passing? Are, I know that you're still in the grieving process. Um, so how are you feeling today? Let's ask that question. How are you feeling today? Extremely important to ask anyone that. If, if you yeah. One because we don't always check in with ourselves immediately because we know we have to get up and move on with our day. Yeah. And I didn't ask myself that today. I knew we had this call and I had to get up and get moving and start my day. And now that you're asking me, I'm like, well, how do I feel today? Um, I'm happy because we're doing this. Yeah. And honoring Tomas and honoring his life and honoring his passing is, is yeah. healthy. Yeah. Um, obviously, when we first started, I got teary-eyed. Um, that happens. Sometimes we just cry out of the blue or you just have this, like, pain of just wishing you could hold their hand and feel them. Yes. Um, the other day I was driving, I had a really long trip, but I felt his hands. I felt like I could, I, I'm very open energetically and having experienced my mother's passing allowed me to understand that. So because I'm open, I don't expect anything, but when something's happening, I'm like, okay, that's what that feeling or that visual thing, because I understand I'm you can't have any expectations. You can't say, oh, I want this person to like come visit me in the room right now. Right, right, right. You can say that and you can um, put that out there, but then you have to understand that it's not going to be a physical human body like this. It's going to be an energy. Right. And you look out for signs uh, from my past experience. You know, you always look out for signs and 
you know, when you are in this grieving process, because I went through it twice with both of my parents, well, I didn't even have a chance to go through it with my father because four months later, mom was diagnosed with cancer. So I had to be strong for her, you know? So I, um, I remember after my mother died, I cursed God out and I got, I got very upset. I said, why did you do this to me? Why? Why? And I went to my Monsignor, who's been on the show plenty of times. I love him. And uh, amazing man. And I, I said, I'm so sorry, but I am cursing God out. Why is this happening to me? And he said, Melissa, and I'll never forget this. And if anybody is grieving, he goes, you can curse him out. You can say whatever you want, but listen to what he has to say. So when my mother passed, this is sort of what transcended my understanding of spirituality um, because my mother's the first well, I, I was 27. She passed in four months. I mean, I was, I was a disaster. I didn't know how to handle that. Sure. I think a dog or my fish died when I was little and you know, grandparents, but yeah, this was just a different level. So when my mom passed at my house growing up, there's four of us, my, my brother, myself, my father, and my mother. Okay. And we, this was in the backyard. I don't know if you can see her rose bushes. There were three living roses and one dead one hanging on. Oh, wow. And at that time, you can see it's the fall. There's leaves, but oh wow, this rose bush should have been not visible. And it was about five feet tall. Wow. So that was enough to open up my eyes. That's then- a sign. I think a few months later, I come back to New York City, and I don't know if they still do this, I think maybe, but uh, there were a lot of commissioned sculptures on Park Avenue in in the flower beds, Mm -hmm. dividing the north and south um, streets. So I remember I was walking with my best friend that day, and I I stopped, I started shaking, I had goosebumps, and she was like, what, are you okay? And I said, I said, no, but yes, I am. And I see this sculpture on Park Avenue. Oh, wow. And you see the three dark roses and the one three, light rose. Right, right. So it's basically a reflection of what I, and that for me, I was like, okay, she's tech communicating. She's okay. Um, that's right. Yeah. So that's, that's one right. example. What did you learn from Tomas? <sighs> so much. You truly was um, a special being. And I knew that from the start. Yeah. And um, I've met amazing people, men in my life. And each one of my loves has contributed to my being. Mm -hmm. Um, Specifically, Tomas, he really just approached life in a very, um, he lived life to the fullest. Um, we got along so well because we both did anyway, but he just elevated that even more. He made every moment so special. He was very giving. Um, even just going to pick up um, a coffee for me when I wasn't expecting it. Like he was very, and for other people too, just very specific and generous and, and kind. Um, he firmly believed that if things are meant to be, they're meant to be. Yeah. Um, he also believed that when things run their course, they run their course. Um, he had a lot of different chapters in his life and every single chapter, whether it was love, work, family, um, 
he fully engaged in all of it. You know, there's, he has so many people in his life that have very beautiful stories. Um, I saw the, uh, that they had a virtual funeral, I guess, for people who couldn't make it. Yeah. And they had so many nice things to say about him. And, um, and he had beautiful children. Mm-hmm. Uh, how old was he when he passed away? 53. 53. Birthday's coming up October. Mm-hmm. So he just turned 54, but very young spirited. I mean, yeah, you wouldn't even guess that that was his age. He was a very young spirit. Um, he, he's unique. I mean, it, it's, it's hard to put into words his outlook on life other than to live it to the fullest. And he firmly believed in soulmates and yeah. connectivity and um, the way someone makes you feel when you're around them. So if he felt off around something or situation, he had no problem just saying, this isn't for me. I love that. That's an empath. I, I believe that you're an empath as well. Is that correct? I'm an extreme empath. Yes. Extreme empath. <laughs> yeah, I, um, but I haven't really understood it until le- through life's journey. I really sure. understood it. Um, and I think the more we understand anything with energy, we, we, we become um, that much more elevated with it. So the more I understand empathy, I'm like, oh, wow. <laughs> um, it can be challenging at times. Yeah, totally. Do you have a lot of people who come to you for healing and they kind of ruin your life sometimes? <laughs> that happens with me. Well, I have shifted my mindset on that <laughs> because, and it's, I'm still working on it. Yeah. We can help people, but we're also in control of allowing that to diminish yeah. our energy so that takes a little bit of calibrating of understanding when it's time to not allow them to diminish our vibrations right right we learn as as people come into our lives and just the experiences that's that's what i have and now i'm okay. down to like no people <laughs> i'm just good with my dog <laughs> i get it I get it. Um, but here's the thing. It's, it's all a matter of changing perspective. Yeah. We have to understand that someone else is also going through something that they must not be aware of. So if we can provide them the tools and insight to do the work themselves, yes. then the hope is hopefully, and it's not up to us, they have to do the work, but hopefully they can do the work and we can stay on the same playing field. Um, but it's not our responsibility to carry them through the work. That's right. But at some time, their work is different than, than ours. Yeah. Um, you know, in other words, I mean, I can send that most of the people, I just, they just go and I end up, I usually don't end up talking to them um, unless they're people like kindred spirits that I'm supposed to talk mm-hmm. to throughout the whole life, you know, throughout my, my journey here. Um, but I can do my best, but you know, what's that old saying? I say it all the time. You could lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. So we're on different, everybody's on different realms just because I'm here and he's here. He's in a different, doesn't mean I'm better. It's not about that. And that's where, that's where I always talk about ego going and, and getting rid of your ego and, and people don't understand that. And then once you say ego, they're like, you know, like, 
Well, there's things that ignite us, right? Because yeah. for me, again, because I'm doing the work, I can feel the ping that's going to trigger me, but I have gotten to a place where I can control the response because our response dictates where we are. In that's our right. So uh, yeah, it, it, it's, t it's tough. I mean, we're all working through things, but yeah. And, it, and helps, it helps with the grieving. Of course, of course. And, and like uh, this year is all about change and shifting. Mm -hmm. uh, so this should be the most, I think, challenging and important part of your journey. Um, and I know I just listened to you on a uh, show. You were on a Wanted Single. The topic was love, loss, and learning. And you were very open about your feelings. Uh, and you're saying, yes, I do have it together. But then there are days where I cry and you know, you're going through the whole stages of this transition. Yeah. Um, it was, it, it's a lot, but um, it's out of my control in many ways. The only thing I can control right now is my mind, body, and spirit. Yeah. In order to do that, I have to allow myself to feel and I have to allow myself to be vulnerable and honest and I have a tremendous support system with friends and family and, yes. but that's something I've also cultivated over time. And it all comes back even with Tomas. This is how he was relationships. So the friendships and the relationships, it's once you cultivate positivity around you and people that you admire and, and even for myself, I'm always thinking, what is it about this person that I admire? And right. that, or what, what is this thing that this person has or does or certainly they act that, that I wish to instill in myself? I mean, we yeah. learn from everybody. Yes. We don't have to be angry. We don't have to be jealous. We don't have to be um, envious. It's once you feel a certain something, it's because you're, you're reflecting a, yourself at some point. Right. That's right. That's right. We're like, you know, we're all on different journeys and doing our own thing. We have our own little job to do on this earth. And, uh, you know, just because this one has this and this one doesn't have this, you know, but this is, they're, li they're living in, in an earthly uh, uh, being, you know, whereas, you know, I, I, I'm sure I could speak for yourself and just like Tomas, you know, we're living in a spiritual being in a human body. <laughs> You know, and I, I kind of love this. And this actually came out more after my mother passed away. Um, so, you know, I'm just still trying to to figure this whole thing out. Like today, I'm like, oh my God, I hope it don't freak Sarah out. I've been feeling, I've been feeling somebody and thank God I didn't. And I, I appreciate you and, and, uh, and, and thank you very much for not thinking I'm a nutcase, but I'm still trying to figure this whole thing out with my, my spirituality. And uh, I, I'm not ashamed. I, I, you know, I think it's very acceptable now with everybody doing Reiki and what we just did. We just sat with uh, Mr. Tom and he did a healing for us. So yeah, no, it's, what do you think? I mean, I, I'm getting goosebumps because, <laughs> and, and that's the thing too. Once you can feel it, I, I actually made a, a post um, on Facebook about this, but mm. I reached a point where Tomas and I didn't even have to talk about his illness or like we would just sit there with each other. Even before he was diagnosed, our relationship, there was like this 
amazing non-communication energy that we had. Sure. And if you can achieve that with somebody, um, I mean, obviously you have to get along and, and know that person, but it, it's just like, once you can understand what that person's thinking or not, if they're not feeling great, right. You know, want to say it verbally. Um, when you can just understand someone and say, I got you, I understand. That's so magical. And I think to your point, it's hard to find those people. And when you yes. do, it's just easy. And it's, it's like, you want that person to grow and expand and, and they want you to grow and expand. And right. It's, it's like, it's awesome. like, yeah, it's like one of your friends you don't talk to for three years, but yet you just pick everything right back up the way, you know, that those are kindred spirits, I believe. Yeah. And that's, those are the relationships to cultivate when going through transitions and hard times like this. And that's, that's why my grieving process has become softer. Um, it's not going away, no. but I'm able to manage it because I have these um, relationships. You know, it's like a little cloud. They right. It. And I can vul be vulnerable and say, I'm feeling depressed or sad or upset. And this is why, and no judgments, but they're there. And um, yeah, I mean, Tomas, Tomas really, um, cultivated some awesome relationships and left those people feeling good. That was his thing. Like we're not perfect. He's not perfect. None of us are in, the, in right. He, you know, there were things that he could have improved on and admittedly he said he wished he had done a few things differently, but overall he left people feeling um, good and taken care of and honored. A good friend of his, um, Jenna, who's actually, I believe she is a shaman and she does energy healing. Yeah. She actually, um, I think about maybe like a week before he passed, she did an energy shamanic session with him, which helped him transition, which oh, wow. I don't know what details were involved with it, but, um, she specifically came in for that purpose because the other part to it is actually accepting and letting go. Um, he was in hospice towards the end. So um, hospice in itself is a journey. Yes, and it is. Both my mother and Tomas went through that journey and it was so magical. Um, I think that's another part for people to understand is that hospice is amazing. It's a very sort of underfunded um, source. Yes. And, um, <clears throat> I personally believe it should be taught in the school systems, death and grieving and hospice care and the options because it's not something we know about until, totally agree. until it's happening um so so jenna came in she did the shamanic um session that allowed tomas to accept and let go um um and he also did this with the support of his family um and in their spiritual um ways of practicing so in the end he had a beautiful holistic journey um and so jenna gave him this crystal to um charge under the moon by a tree every night oh wow and i went out one night and i said hey tomas where's that crystal i don't see it and he was like i don't i don't remember i don't remember so i just let it go and a couple of days after he passed i had given him um a plant for his room mm -hmm. and one of the leaves fell off so 
I woke up and I said, I need to go pick up that leaf when I wake up and, you know, throw it away. And I go and pick up the leaf and there's the crystal in the plant. Oh, wow. And it was just a moment of like Tomas saying like, hey, I'm okay. Like it kind of made me giggle a little bit, but it, I, I started tearing up too. Um, but that's just one example. And perhaps someone from the outside would be like, oh, well, whatever. But it was, it it's was a, a yeah. very prominent moment. I was interested in your artwork and with hospice. What, what do you do with that? Well, um, I'm an abstract watercolor and acrylic artist. And um, a few times, a handful of times, um, I have created pieces for friends and family that have had someone in hospice. Um, and it's something that I'd like to develop a little further. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and again, it all ties back to my mother's passing and experience. And I've, for many years, have been um, evolving some thoughts around how to take my personal life and integrate it into making it, um, death a more positive experience. Yes. So what I would do is I would reach out to the family and say, can you tell me a little bit about um, your family member? what are some things that they love? What are their favorite colors? Um, and so I would either have a piece already made that resonated with that, or I would create a piece. Wow. Um, and I would send it to the family uh, as a piece to, um, this is not my artwork here, but as an example. I was gonna ask you about that. <laughs> um, but for example, if this was sent to the family, mm -hmm. the family can, gather around that and admire it and talk about it and create a special moment to then later on remember and, and reflect on. The other part to this is it takes away from talking about the death and the illness. Yes. Because it's very easy to kind of fall into this trap of, oh my gosh, this person's dying. Oh my gosh, they're sick. But in reality, they'll tell you this in hospice, the last thing to go is hearing. Yes. So yes. What, what you're speaking of and how you're speaking of that person is very important. You're not supposed to speak about them. You're supposed to speak as if they're engaging with you. Sure. And so going back to the art, it's kind of that idea of um, communication. And what are you talking about? Are you talking about, you know, a lake that you used to go boating on when you were younger and maybe your mother or father's passing. And it, it just, I think art in general brings people together. It's something that I've started to develop, but I would like to develop it further. Did you, I have just one more question and let you go um, with your mother. Uh, did you start a whole new relationship with her after she passed away? Yes. In fact, <laughs> She and I got along, although when she passed, I was 27. So I was yeah. going through that transition of like being independent. And um, we, we had a mother-daughter relationship where we kind of butt heads here and there. Um, right. But we, we were okay. And But I will say this. I've had some very vivid spiritual dreams with her. Um, I mean, very vivid. Even where I feel her hands holding my hands. Um, waterfalls and all sorts of beautiful elements but yeah. she's so happy she had her own stresses in life when she was here on earth yeah and she had her own personality traits um but now she's so light and airy and happy and 
youthful and just um, having had those experiences with the roses, with the dreams, with the little signs, um, even my father, he's happy now, you know, he has a girlfriend and he's moving on with his life. My brother, we're all, all this goodness came into our lives right? because of her. And so, yes, I have a better relationship with her. We don't butt heads anymore. I love it. Yeah. It's so wonderful. I want to thank you so much for coming on here and speaking about uh, your beloved Tomas and uh, to his family and friends. I'm awfully sorry for your loss and uh, we're going to keep, yeah, we're going to keep you in our, in our prayer, Sarah, and, um, and just keep being great. I'll, I'm going to put up all your information on my website. Uh, I know that you're a marketing um, professional mm-hmm. and you do your artwork. Do you have a website for your art if anybody wants to see your art? I do. It's sdiorazio.com. That's S-D-I-O-R-A-Z-I-O.com. Thank you so much, Sarah. Thank you for having me. To learn more about hospice care, head over to 1-800-HOSPICE.COM. That's the number 1-800-HOSPICE.COM. So we are here joined with Tulu from the UK. He's in Newcastle and he is actually from Nigeria, but now you live in the UK. Yes, I, I live in the UK, Tolu Akiyemi, the lion of Newcastle. It's, yeah, <laughs> it's so nice to meet you finally. We're Instagram friends, and um, I reached out to some of you guys to uh, submit your poetry, and I'm just so happy to have you on because you're going to read one of your poems about grief, and so will I. Uh, but first, you know, this episode is about uh, natural healing, and I'm wondering, you're from Nigeria, so do people do natural healings for, peop- for residents there? Yeah, so in Nigeria, we have a lot of like natural healing, healing that does not involve people taking pills or, you know, just like, you know, using nature as a form of like healing. So say for instance, I, I have say eye fever or or temperature yeah. or, say, or eye temperature, we could get what we call leaves. So about leaves. Mm-hmm. And put in hot and put in hot water, and we cook it on fire, and that kills like name it any every form of malaria and you know things like that. Yeah, mm-hmm. so we have say you you have cough, you can yeah. use palm, you can use palm oil and sugar, and that that clears up you know um, that clears up your cough. So things like that. So we have quite a lot of things that. Are, we use in Nigeria to for like natural healing that does not involve taking pills. Say I have cough, I can do, you know, or I have I have a cold, I can mm-hmm. boil hot water and put a say I a form of ointment in the in, in the hot water and cover my head and inhale that and that could be like a form of therapy for me. So wow. basically yeah, so in Nigeria we 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 use we use that quite a lot. Mm-hmm. You know, we have what so kind many... of ointment is it? I'm sorry for interrupting. What kind of ointment? So, like, we have what we call we have the the most popular in Nigeria is called the rub rub ointment. <laughs> so that's a free advert for you deliver, you know. But so we call it the rub ointment. It's quite mm-hmm. it's really really good. And so say you have cold, you have yeah, so things like that. So 
we have so many things that you know that we we that we cure via natural causes and we don't really have to like resort to the doctors or have to go to the hospital so that is one of the one of the great things out of nigeria that that we need to have you know just you know using nature as a form of healing and it's like really really commonplace did you bring that to the uk with you do you still do those um treatments for yourself yeah personally i still do quite a lot of those treatments myself because mm. you know nothing beats nature you know yeah uh, yeah so like in nigeria if you're sick you can easily pop down to the hospital get treatment and all of that but in the uk the system is quite different here yeah, so we tend to like you know use nature more as well yeah because it's not like you have you run down to the GP at every opportunity. Mm -hmm. So I, I believe in natural healing, and I'm I'm a, I'm a true fan of natural healing. And you were telling me about your interesting job that you have. Tell us what you do. Yeah. So well, I mean, like you know, I'm a writer all the time. But yes. Apart from, apart from writing, I'm also a financial crime compliance consultant. I consult. I work as an independent consultant through my limited company. Mm. For, a, for a global tier one investment bank and in terms of ensuring that the the financial crime space is no is not used for to launder the proceeds of crime and i also do this together with incident management and managing of incidents on a wider scale working with the technology teams wow. and the and the remediation program team to ensure that our systems are compliant and they are working as expected. Yeah, so with the COVID in the UK, we, we are all working from home, you know. Okay. Uh, so there are times, you know, the, the alert keeps changing. So today we are like mini lockdown tomorrow. So, but, <laughs> so it's the same thing here. You never know from one day to the next what's happening. Yeah, so we're in New keeps, York City, by the way. I'm in New York. <laughs> oh, lovely. Yeah. Yeah, so it keeps it keeps changing all the time anyway. So uh, we are trying to be safe as much as possible and stay indoors and you know stay home to to save lives anyways. Absolute. Now, Tulu, we we're talking about grief as well, and you're going to read one of your poems. Um, you are a writer and you're a poet and a wonderful poet. And I thank you so much for submitting your poetry to us. Uh, tell us what grief means to you. You were telling me you didn't lose anybody. Thank God. <laughs> uh, but you you sympathize and empathize with others who have lost loved ones. Yes, I I really do sympathize with people who have lost loved ones. I. I have people that are close to me that have loved that that also lost loved ones as well, and that really gives me a lot of pain. As a writer, the emotions that they feel, I it can't it can't be the same. Mm. It can never be the same. But the shared, the humanity that we share makes me feel those emotions as well. Yeah. During the time of the pandemic, we've lost quite a lot of people, innocent souls to the virus. Every day we lose people around us, and you know, so I feel like grief is something like that. Personally, I do not understand because, in terms of everybody feels or go, goes through the process of mourning separately. Mm -hmm. Yes. So I've had friends that have detached because probably they felt like they, were, you know. 
they were expecting you to grieve with them in a particular way, but but the truth is that nobody understands, you know, there's no one size fits all approach for grief. You never know how you could, you know, nobody knows how to manage grief. And so for me, I feel grief is more of, it's personal. There's, you can't really, you can empathize, you can sympathize, you can do all of that. You can show you care. You can, you know, have empathy and all of that, but grief is not, is, you can't, what alone cannot describe that feeling, that space that people get into and everything, how, you know, they feel like they're in the dark space and everything by losing the loved one, the memories that are forever ate in our hearts. So, right. so I feel grief is very, very personal and deep. Can I just ask you, what do you think happens after we pass away? Do you think we're just energy? Well, oh, as a as a as a Christian, yes, yeah. I believe. You know, so I am a Christian, yes, I believe that after death there is judgment. So that's my as far my Christian beliefs. Mm -hmm. So, so I don't just believe that after death, but I know I as I I am conversant with the spiritual. Even in my writing, I am very, very spiritual, and the way the the you know the idea drops, the writing comes alive, and everything. I know we are all spirits, so I do not think like after that, after death. I know the spirits would always live on, so I believe that our spirits never die, because the whole experience is spiritual. Beautiful. Would you kindly read your poem to us? Oh, already. <laughs> so I'm reading from A Booktiful Love, my latest poetry collection. Thank you. Oh, is that your book? Yeah, that's my book. Yeah. Oh, wow. Where can we find that? Yeah, so you can find this on Amazon.com and on all Amazon marketplaces. And it's also available on my website, toludu.com and all other good places where books are sold. Thank you so much. And what is the name of the book? Yeah, it, this is titled A Booktiful, A Booktiful Love. I love it. Okay, thank you so much. Yeah, Whenever you're ready. <laughs> yeah, yeah, ready. So okay. this is titled Grief. How do you grieve the demise of a loved one with only fading memories to clutch? How do you feel the gaping hole? How do you wipe the slate clean? How do you accept sympathy? Through Facebook comments and likes, blurry text messages with words like, may their soul rest in perfect peace, or a register of condolences. How do you deal with loss? Does time heal the wounds and we all move on as if they were never here. How do you manage grief? Thank you. Beautiful. What does that mean to you, that poem? Yeah, so this particular poem tells me that you don't know, like, you, nobody knows the answer how to manage grief. Like, you never can. You don't know how, what the next person is feeling right now. The silent tears. So, Someone might be someone might be crying, or you may see another person that is not crying, but it doesn't really mean they are not grieving, or it doesn't mean they are not 
in a sad space. Yeah. So different people manage it differently, and the, and the more we the 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 sooner we have that emotional intelligence to know that people manage differently, and people it might take a while for people to recover from grief. Yeah. The better it is for everyone involved. People have lost people. People are people are sad. They are bitter. They are you know angry at the world, angry at the yeah. system, and everything. So injustice, police brutality, everything happening around the world. So, but people would manage grief differently, and we should always respect that. That nobody knows the true answer on how to manage grief. Yeah. A lot of people say uh, time heal, heals all wounds, and I don't believe in that. Because as you know, I lost both of my parents. I'm trying to find my glasses because I would like to read my poem to you. Oh, here they are. Um, so yeah, so when people say time heals all wounds, it, the, wounds the wound is always there. It's never going to go away, you know? Yes. So that's what, you know, people can comfort you and they try to comfort you and that's wonderful. Uh, but it's, it's very difficult. But yeah, I, love so, you. I love your poem. So Thank you very much. I'm sorry about your parents. And thank you. Uh, like you said, I also believe that time do not heal all wounds as well. I believe that the memories never die. The memories are always there. So even, even if it's 50 years, 100 years, as long as you remember, those memories will come alive and it brings, it leaves a space. There's always a gaping hole that time yeah. cannot, time cannot heal. Yes, I, I, I truly believe in that. I believe in that. Thank you very much. So if you, would you like to hear my poem? I'm looking forward to hearing it. <laughs> Thank you so much. So this is called Orphan's Introspection. Sometimes I sit with my mom and dad. I sit here and prattle as they listen in silence. I tell them of my hardships, troubles, obstacles. I cry inside. I tell them of my joys, success, love. I cry inside. My dad would always say the same thing. You're worth every penny, puppy. Mama would say, why do you let people upset you? We'd hug out an argument. We'd laugh when things got serious. We'd cry when things were funny. You know, the average family. What would my life be like now if they were here? I question my cognitive. I'm stuck here with the memories as three. Now my, now my new memories as one plus dog. My dad's glasses sit in a box in a life he once had. I look inside to find him. Oh, there he is. My mother's poetry is read to find out who she was. To me, she was just mom. I beg your pardon as my heart stops in a moment in time. Why did you leave me? How do I go on? I'm too young to be 100 years old. How do I breathe with my heart shattered? Why was I giving the task, the task of bravery? My weak muscles are stretched, yet I just lifted my soul. Oh, Missy, there you go, questioning God. At least I got my answer. Thanks, Mom and Dad. I thought of you today, but that's nothing new. How is it in Lotus Land? Are you kids deliriously happy? Wink, wink, see ya. To get a copy of A Book to Full Love, head over to Amazon.com. Be sure to contact your primary physician before any holistic healing or natural consumptions. Making a Difference is sponsored by Preferred Health Magazine. Please visit www.preferredhealthmagazine.com today and subscribe.